So, <clears throat> in following up on that thought, um, we wanted to uh, continue and kind of talk about what this means. Um, and there again, we don't want to let the uh, world uh, define for us, you know, any of these terms, you know, when we um, look out there at the redefinition of terms and things in the religious world and in the world in general, in our culture, um, <clears throat> we find that uh, if we let these uh, terms or phrases, words get redefined, we kind of lose uh, the truth of the, uh, or the meaning, the real meaning of these things. So let's just take the time this morning to go through and see what the Bible's got to say about uh, this phrase, calling on the name of the Lord, or this idea of calling on His name. So, uh, the first quote that's up there is Romans ten thirteen says, For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, so, when we start looking for uh, this terminology and we make a search in the New Testament, what do we find? Okay. So 1 Corinthians 1-2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Okay? Romans 10-13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 22.16 Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on His name. And try to pay attention to the placement of these things. You know, where this phrase would fall. Um, and try to think about what these things could mean. Acts 9.14 and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Acts twenty two twenty one, And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 2 Timothy two twenty two. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons uh, judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Uh, so this idea of, uh, call, you know, to call on the Father. So, you know, what else do we find as we Look, we see these other phrases, you know, if you start putting this in a search engine, you know, if I've got this Bible search thing, you got the calling, your calling, heavenly heavenly calling, holy calling, this uh, calling, high calling, his calling, same calling, and calling of God. You know, these are some of the phrases or the way that thing's put together <clears throat> when you look at that. And... Um, when they were stoning Stephen, uh, supposedly what they're calling what he was doing is calling upon God. All right. 
<clears throat> so what about word definition? So when you look up the word in vines, you're going to find 13 Greek uh, verb uh, uses or terms, a noun and an adjective form for the three words call, called, and calling. The general sense of it, uh, as generally used within the phrase we're analyzing today, seem to have to do with an inviting or an invitation or with a surname or vocation. Um, everybody know what a vocation would be? A job. You know, your vocation may be plumber or whatever. Um, try to think about what the implications of that would be. Specific to some of the verses cited uh, was to call upon by way of or making use of the name of the Lord. Um, that might be something that would come to mind kind of automatically. So when we look at the phrase, uh, what seems to be the problem, uh, and we go back to that beginning, the one that was on that first slide, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, you know, I think... what can be assumed or what's um, assumed to have been meant by that phrase is that this proclamation or to say his name or you know maybe some people tie it back to just this idea of a confession of the fact that he is who he says he is that'll do it and that's the end of it and uh you know, so I think some of what we get when we see a lot of this in the in the religious world in general is this idea that and I don't know how this really relates to the idea of you know they'll say invite uh, Jesus into your heart, um, and sometimes they'll say something you know like just confess that He is you know. But <laughs> most of the time they seem to tie those things together. But, uh, you know, there's this idea that, you know, saying something will do, do it for you. Um, and then we have this statement that we find in Scripture as well. And we say, it says, of course, it's red letter. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So we kind of look at these statements and, and say, whoo, you know, wow, that's a, a, some kind of a conflict there. You know, he, oh, who, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And down here, not everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that kind of what those two things seem to say just on the surface so if you're like me and you believe the Bible to be true and right and not uh, something that's going to be conflicting itself we kind of need to figure out what this means so when we see that um, Joel 
2, basically, in Acts 2, says that this, those that call on the name of the Lord would be saved. And Peter, when he's asked that question by those folks there in the New Testament, you know, what do we got to do to be saved? He answers, repent and be baptized. So somehow, maybe, possibly, maybe we're focusing on the wrong part of the phrase. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So, we start bringing these other statements in and make these a part of our consideration of what this means. Um, we might begin to get a little more clear picture. Um, one of the things that I think it's important to think about, um, you know, by doing something in the name of or calling on the name of or uh, calling to account the authority of, uh, you know, if I'm uh, working for McDonald's, I'm wearing the outfit, you know, I'm work, I'm in the military, I'm wearing the outfit. My shirt says U.S. Army or whatever it says on it. You know, I've got, you know, I'm making a claim. I'm operating under the authority of, um, I'm compensated by, uh, I am under, uh, you know, this idea of doing something in the name of or calling on the name of may have something to do with what we do, what we say, or what we claim, or maybe all of those things. So that's for some of you, but you were washed, uh, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Um, talking about things that these in, folks in the Corinthians that used to be, but now they're washed, now they're sanctified, now they're justified in what? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. And we think then back about this uh, idea of uh, calling on His name, uh, maybe uh, doing things under His authority. Um, we see that they cast out demons in His name or by his authority, with the use of his name, under his brand, maybe you would say. Um, you know, I know I don't want folks working for me, going out, doing things that I wouldn't approve or authorize and using my name. Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But when they believed, Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of uh, Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. So, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Um, so, when we're baptized, 
uh, what's a practice that we employ? We would say, I would baptize this person in the name of or under the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Mm. So what does that person do? Do they, in obedience, is that kind of like calling on that name or uh, referring to that name or doing things under the authority of that name? <clears throat> when we see Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, he's preaching the good news about the name of Jesus Christ. And then those folks were doing what? They were being baptized. Ephesians 5.20 Always giving thanks for all things in the name of Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So, uh, these are things that we do in His name. We give thanks in His name. When we pray, how are we supposed to do that? Is it in His name and what does that mean? Does that mean in His will and by His authority? So when we ask for something in prayer, how does that relate, you know, what, you know, to his name? When we talk about doing things in his name, aren't we talking about doing those things in accordance with his will or by his authority? We're calling on that brand, so to speak. You know, it's, uh, you know, if I'm, making McDonald's hamburgers, I'm making McDonald's hamburgers probably in McDonald's and probably by the authority of McDonald's and that's all like that. If I'm wearing that uniform and it says U.S. Army, well, what am I doing? I'm doing things in that name, by that purpose, uh, by that authority. Uh, under my will, is that how I'm doing that? When I'm making McDonald's hamburgers, do I make hamburgers the same as I do at a house, or do I make McDonald's hamburgers the McDonald's way to make a hamburger when I'm at McDonald's? And when I'm doing my soldiering duties, how do I do those things? If we're calling on his name, how are we supposed to do that? So are we doing that in his will are we doing that by his authority so you're calling on his name what's that like and what's the practical application of that that we see in our own lives and in the way things work are we saved by running around saying lord lord and we go back to that verse in matthew chapter 7 is our confession that he is who he says he is the end of our part in responding to his invitation? So our confession that he is who he says he is, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that um, like when I have been given the responsibility of baptizing folks, I like for them to say it. You know, uh, that he is who he says he was. Jesus, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, that 
claim has inside of it, this idea that I believe he is who he said he is. And inherent in that is that he did what he said he did, um, which was to come here and die and be raised again for us so that we might have hope of eternal life with him that we would know that he has authority over death. Is there a verse that tells us that a prayer inviting Jesus into our heart saves us? And who does the inviting when we look in our Bible? When we look in there, who is doing the inviting? If I'm going to be calling his name and be called by his name, is there any verse that can give me some clarity? And what kind of verse is there that would tell me what some of this is. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. So, this idea of calling on His name comes with what? Is there some requirement uh, that I change myself somehow? That I'm changed by this? What What's said in that verse, when I look at this verse in 2 Timothy 2.19, if I'm going to say that this confession is kind of all there is, if uh, calling on His name is just this verbal acknowledgement uh, that I would be willing to say that in a group of folks that maybe were adverse to that and that's really the end of it um, then that would kind of make this verse seem kind of silly because this one says that everyone who names the name of the Lord is to really kind of be different <laughs> than what we want to be um, what's the Bible tell us about our Sins it tells us basically that those things come from within us. They, they're uh, sourced in our own desires. Our own will is the source of these things. So if my will is the source of this wickedness, if I'm going to name the name of the Lord, it says I'm to abstain from this wickedness here in 2 Timothy 2. So that is my seal. That's the thing that makes it real. When I talk about having a seal, that's the stamp of approval. That's the thing that says that this is his. You know, you remember in olden days, you know, the guy would have a ring that would have his seal on it, and they'd put the little wax thing on there, and he'd stab it on there, and that's his seal. You know, that's the stamp of approval. I, yeah, yeah, that's, not, that's just, not just my signature, but that's my seal. That's my stamp. This is from me. This is for me. This is mine. You know, whatever that claim is. So the firm foundation of God stands. It has this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And it has an inherent that we are not doing our will any longer. This idea of calling on His name has got 
to do with uh, things that I think we understand in this world, that we're doing these things by His will, by His authority, that all that we do in word or deed, uh, as we read earlier, is part of that. So when we started this, we started as a, uh, an idea a week or so ago that we were going to talk about some things that were more fundamental. We were going to go back um, to the foundation, to the center, talk about Christ and talk about His plan for us. Uh, today in the classes, we're talking about this idea of plan and purpose. Um, you know, very fundamental things. And so, as we look at this chart and uh, rather than go through all of these verses today, I think we just kind of consider this thing together and look at them. I think we're familiar with these verses, and of course I can provide you with a copy of this slide, but, um, you know, we see that this thing's broken down kind of into a God's part and a my part, and... Um, when we're thinking about this idea of calling on his name and we go back and relating what Acts chapter 2 said about um, what Joel said and then seemed like Peter said something a little different and it's all, it's all right there in the same chapter uh, spoken by the same guy. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, we know that I don't know if y'all can see this in the back, but uh, when we start talking about his part, we see that I'm down here, I'm a sinner. Uh, we know that God sent his son. And we read about that in John 3 and 1 John 4. Uh, we know that Jesus shed his blood. So he sent his son Jesus. Jesus shed his blood. We've got Ephesians 1.7, 1 Peter 1.19. And we know that the Spirit was sent. Um, of course, we can see that in the early part of Acts, but we also see in John 16, Ephesians 3, that that's uh, taken place. Uh, that's, that's part of what's been done for us by God. None of this is stuff that we could do on our own. Uh, we know that uh, He uh, died, was buried, and resurrected. And so we start looking at really what is it I'm supposed to do. When I start thinking about this calling on his name, I want to try to piece together what part of this that I find when I start looking at this term saved, justified, sanctified. You know, when I'm answering the question, what must I do to be saved? And I start looking up those terms, and I can just search those terms in my Bible, and I start trying to find the things that claim to do that. You know, what are the things that claim to save me? And I can find in Romans 10 and John 6 that hearing the gospel, hearing the good news, uh, coming in contact with it, uh, and we're talking in our class about the fundamental nature of the plan, the fundamental nature of his purpose. Part of the purpose is our salvation. So hearing about this idea of salvation, hearing the good news of the gospel that, that God did indeed do these things. <clears throat> we, uh, 
Well, <clears throat> I hear those things first. Well, then once I've studied the evidence that I find in the book and that I see in this world around me, I believe it. I believe the gospel. And we see in John 8 and Hebrews 11 that these are fundamental. We have to, this idea of being saved, this idea of being justified, this idea of being sanctified, uh, this idea of being adopted, all of those things, if we're going to be heirs, inheritors of this blessing that we've been talking about in our class, we know that we've got to believe. And, I, you know, I think we talk about this idea of having faith as well. This, so, next thing we kind of see is this idea that we've got to repent of our sins. Acts 2.38, Acts 17.30, we see this idea of repentance. But we can basically crack our Bible open from Genesis to Revelation and we can find that repentance is a very primary message that's something that's on us to do, to give up our own will, to uh, not only give up our own will, but to adopt his, that we are going to do what he says to do. We're going to be under his authority, just like if we're working at McDonald's, we're going to make hamburgers uh, like McDonald's makes them. We're not going to make them like we make them. We're not going to have our own plan. We're going to have his plan. All right, so we see this idea of uh, confession, uh, this idea of uh, confessing our faith, not being ashamed of it in Romans 10 and Acts 8. Um, this is the part when we think about this idea of calling on the Lord that nobody would fuss about. You know, folks would say, yes, this is definitely part of what we're going to do. Uh, and this idea of being baptized into Christ, uh, Mark 16, and uh, we see in uh, 1 Peter 3, uh, we've got this uh, idea of being baptized into Christ. And when we looked at that reference, you know, Joel said that this was going to be this idea of calling on his name in Joel 2. This is found in Acts chapter 2 when it's repeated. And Peter calls it repenting and being baptized in Acts chapter 2. That's what he's paralleling this idea of Joel's message, just calling on the Lord, uh, calling on his name. That's what he said. It was this and this. And then in uh, Revelations 2.10 is the one I guess we use the most. This idea of uh, remaining faithful, this... Uh, Consistent service. Um, when we think about, you know, us as soldiers that would be operating under authority, okay, I'm operating under the authority of the U.S. Army or whatever, uh, how long is it that I do the will of the U.S. Army? Well, it's as long as I'm in the U.S. Army, isn't it? So as long as we're going to be in this condition of calling on his name we we read a minute ago we're going to be abstaining from wickedness we're going to replace our own will with his will we're going to do things by his authority we're going to remain faithful as long as we're going to remain a part of this and and that's our part and this is that um 
chart, like I say, that I think a lot of us has seen a lot of times, but it kind of answers that question, what must I do to be saved? So when we say that we're going to call on his name, you know, I think we have to make sure that we put the emphasis in the, in the right part of that um, phrase. And it's the, it's the part when we start talking about his name and what that means that uh, we begin to get a more clear picture of how that is consistent with what the rest of the scriptures say and not a conflict like we demonstrated in that early slide where you know folks would look at everyone who calls on his name would be saved and then we look in Matthew 7 and see that uh, not everyone who says Lord Lord is saved so that you know kind of answers that question for us so as we consider basically these fundamental lessons uh, with regard to Christ and who he is with regard to Christ and how he suffered and what he did for us and try to answer this question about what must I do to be saved I, I hope that we've helped with this idea of what does it mean to call on his name today and if you would open your song books turn to the song that's been selected number 322 um, it says the title of this it says bring Christ your broken life um, we know that uh, when we arrive at the conclusion that we are a sinner and that we have a broken life and we understand that he's done his part that he sent his son that his son has died for us We've heard the gospel news. We've believed in it. Uh, we have responsibility really to act, to put away our sins, to replace those things uh, with His will, His perfect standard. Uh, we need to begin to try to do that. We confess uh, that He is who He said He was, uh, not only verbally, but in the way we live our lives. We are baptized into Christ and we remain faithful for our lives. If you find yourself subject to that invitation and that you're willing to submit to it, and if there's some part of that that we can play uh, to help you to uh, answer those things, we'd like to do that while we stand and sing the songs that's been selected. <laughs> 